You're listening to Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. So, ladies and gentlemen, Jack Barksdale. Hey, everybody. My name's Jack Barksdale. Welcome to another episode of Jack Barksdale's Roots Revival. Today, I'm here with Cindy Imch from the Secret Imchy Society. Super excited to uh, be doing this interview. I think it's going to be a really great time. Uh, You've got a new album out. Uh, I do. Which is pretty awesome. I've gotten to listen to it. It's really cool. First, I just kind of want to kind of just want to get to know you and your music. So one thing that I feel like is always important to ask first is, you know, how you got started in into music and into this whole, you know, mm-hmm. musical lifestyle. Oh, absolutely. Um, well, it's funny. I first started singing and like learning to love to sing when I was uh, pretty young. Um, probably like four or five. My mom used to practice her accordion. She didn't play it professionally or anything. She had learned when she was a little kid. But um, she used to practice it around the house, and I loved to sing along to the songs, and that was how I really fell in love with music. And then when I was in high school, I was like, I need to have a guitar. And my parents were not up for getting me a guitar. They were like not, aside from the accordion, they weren't super musical. And so I got a job working at our local lake because I was like in a farm town. So we like would rent like permits to fishermen and stuff. So I get out at the lake and I, you know, worked there for about most of the summer to save up enough money to buy like a really cheap used guitar from our record store. And then I would just sit there and sell fishermen passes to go fish and play my guitar practice and like I got like a Leonard Cohen songbook that had like the uh, guitar tablature in it. I just taught myself how to play. Yeah, so I, I, that was how I fell in love with it. Um, before I was really a performing musician, I was more of a performance poet. And I was like, oh, I wish I had a band, but I'd never followed through on it. And then um, one, one night, a friend of mine was like, let's make a band. And so within a couple of like two weeks, I had two bands because they were doing different kinds of music. One was like old timey accordion music and one was like guitar based country music. And I was like, this is the best thing ever. Now I have two bands. Um, So that was pretty wonderful. But then both those bands kind of had to break up because people had to move out of the out of California or like pursue other career opportunities. And I was like, man, losing bands left and right. And so I decided to make a new one that had my own name in it even though it's really hard to pronounce because I was like, if I'm, I'm, if I move somewhere, it's still my band because my name's actually in it. So that was how the secret MC society was formed. And that was part of why I called it a secret society because, you know, sometimes band members have to change even when you're on tour from like city to city because of people's, um, family or job needs not everyone can hit the road all the time and so i was like sometimes it's even a secret to me who's going to be on stage but it's my secret society so it's all going to work that's awesome how was it because you play both guitar and accordion and how is it because accordion isn't a very you know typical instrument or Mm -hmm. first instrument even so what was that kind of like going around in the music scene um, it was it was remarkable actually. I w- I started playing accordion. I want to say it was like in two thousand five, and there was this really interesting sort of roots revival going on where all these people were like, "You play accordion? 
come do the show. Like that was all it took. They were just like, oh, we're so excited. And then um, this woman, Renee de la Prade, who plays in a lot of different bands is an, and is an accordionist, had made like an accordion babes calendar because you don't see as many female accordions as men. So, and that's still going strong, but I was in that a couple of times and it's just like, people were like, oh, accordions. And they were so excited all the time. And then the thing they don't tell you about accordions that you can kind of infer is that they're pretty heavy. And I'm not one of those folks who would like sit and play accordion. I would like stand and rock out pretty hard playing the accordion. So I might have injured myself a little bit on a whole bunch of tours. And so now I mainly play guitar because mm -hmm. playing accordion, like it just aggravates an old injury now, but I still love it. It's still like, like the, or in one of the instruments of my heart, but I just can't play it all the time. Uh-huh, that's crazy. So you have this band, the Secret Entry Society, but you've had You've been in you know, tons of different bands and projects. What has been kind of your your musical journey from you know different bands, you know, touring mm -hmm. with different people, from you know, kind of your early days to uh, like today? Um, I think one of the things about my journey is that the first two bands I was in, um, one was called Vagabondage, that was the accordion-based one, and the other one was called Rhubarb Whiskey, and. Both of those, um, well, with Vagabondage, both of us who formed the band were kind of inexperienced with music. Like, we both knew how to play our instruments, but we hadn't really done a lot of songwriting, you know. And so we started songwriting together, and it was this wonderful, like, creative learning process where we became friends and, like, like kind of, like, made this great, like, friendship of a lifetime happen at the same time that we were, like, teaching each other how to write songs. Mm -hmm. um, Rhubarb Whiskey was a little different because it was one of my oldest friends and I formed the band and he had been in a punk rock band uh, back in the like late, like early 90s and stuff and so he was already a really accomplished like jazz trombonist and guitarist and basically like, he could play a million instruments uh -huh. and um, he really encouraged me to sort of embrace my songwriting more because I'd be like oh I have some words and I have a melody idea but I'm not sure and he'd be like don't be not sure. Your ideas are awesome. Like, let's turn them into something super cool. And this was really encouraging. Mm -hmm. And so when I, um, when both of those bands went away and then some of the other ones that I had been in along the road, like, had their time, um, once I was ready to start the Secret Empty Society, which really started, and I would say in like 2015, I think, mm -hmm. I um, really own my songwriting process and I I'm while I love feedback from the band and I want to make the arrangement of the song a collaborative process I definitely um I'm not afraid to have an opinion <laughs> and you know I I really believe in the work that I make so um I'm I'm not like afraid to just be like no this is the vision like let me get everyone on board with it you know and I don't I don't usually get talked out of it I can I can get talked into evolving it if people have interesting ideas but I don't get talked out of ideas anymore. Hmm. That's really cool. You know, through all these, you know, different, these different bands and these different unique experiences, unique to each other, a lot of the times, what are some of the most important things you've learned going through all that, going through all those bands? The most important thing I learned, uh, far and none, is always have, like, instant iced coffee on you if you're on tour. <laughs> Like, because if you're, I'm the at the level where I'm usually staying in someone else's house and I don't want to like dig through their cupboards or like, and sometimes I can't even, like they don't always, always have microwaves. Sometimes I've been in like the 
very rural parts of Canada. And I'm just like, I don't want to mess up your house. And like <laughs> tap water and instant iced coffee, your morning is better. Um, but aside from that, I would say, you know, the people that you choose to work with are and like how you treat them is the most important thing. And I, I, you know, I have band members in a lot of different states and areas, but like they are all total family to me. And mm -hmm. I, um, I like just value them so much. And I really think that being in a band with people you like, where it's not just a job, but it's people that you actually really care about. And like you're, you've chosen them because you, you connect with them on an emotional and like spiritual level, in addition to them being really talented is just crazy important. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was, on, I've been on a couple of tours where the, um, I didn't know the bands I was, with, I was with that much. And I realized that, you know, very few people make millions and millions of dollars doing this. Most of us would do it as a labor of love because we really just love the music. And you, it's really important to tour and to make music with people that you care about and that you really enjoy their company because that the experience is the, some of the biggest part of it for the musicians that are involved. And mm -hmm. that's just, that's really, really important. Yeah. I feel like that's really great advice. It makes a lot of difference. And so you've done all these, all these different bands and all these different genres. And so I'm, I'm really curious, what are some of your, you know, biggest influences in all these different kinds of music? Well, it's funny. I don't know why, but some of the music I love the most in the entire world, like comes from like the 1910, like 1910s through like the 1930s. Like I love the old blues music and jazz of that era. I love, um, like Lead Belly was one of my hugest influences, yeah. you know, when I was first like getting into music. That's awesome. And I just, I love the feeling of like how you can actually hear like hands on strings, right? Like I love how analog it feels and how even if the arrangements of the songs are just like one person and a guitar, it you can feel all of the heart and like pathos and emotion and all of it is just right there in it and i love um how tactile and analog that feels so when i have been like looking to make music some of what really inspires me and one of the reasons i think i landed in you know kind of a more traditional country genre was because i really really want to make music that I can feel. Like, I don't want it to feel overly processed or, or you know, I want it to feel um, as analog as it possibly can. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I love how those old recordings, it, a lot of times there wasn't like a whole band in a room with like some of those Lead Belly recordings or mm -hmm. like, I've been really into like Piedmont Blues and, and like Blind Boy Fuller and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. they, those old blues guys, they just put, like what they can do with just like one instrument is insane because that's all yeah because like you had to perform by yourself a lot of the times and so i mean the phrase necessity is the mother of invention it's mm -hmm. it's perfect uh, absolutely mm -hmm. so that's really interesting i'm also really curious and not just you know, like the musical aspect of it but also in like your songwriting so what are some of your you know, songwriting influences and maybe some uh, things that you're really proud of that you've done in songwriting, or maybe some cool like uh, co-write something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so some of my songwriting influences, I really came to <clears throat> music 
as someone who loves both literature and music. So um, definitely some of the songwriting is like Leonard Cohen and Tom Waits were a huge influence, like Patti Smith also. Um, but then also like the poetry of like Gwendolyn Brooks and some of the fiction of Langston Hughes and um, Hayden Carruth was also, and Lee Young Lee, those, those poets were also like this huge influence in the way that they would it would be they would write poetry but it would be so lyrical that it would have that same kind of emotional impact where you feel like you're in the moment with the writer the same way you do with a song yeah. and so when i was um you know and then when i read even fiction or when i watch a film things like that there are moments where i'm like oh my god you perfectly like you captured it like i feel like i can like smell the air and like feel the same breeze you're feeling and to me, like, that's part of what makes a really good song is if I can bring the listener into a, the same moment with me. So, like, if I'm walking around in the world and something kind of magical feels like it happens, mm -hmm. I'll often, like, stop and make a note about it because that's the kind of stuff that I want to make a song that I can bring someone into that moment because it was, like, this mo unique moment of, like, beauty or magic. And I'm like, I want you to know how this feels, too. Like, I want to share this with you. And, like, that's the that's the place i'm coming from because i think that in as much as we're all you know unique people and we all have our own story and we all have our own experiences in the world we're also all human and so there's this so many universal truths that we all experience we just experience them in different ways mm -hmm. and so um that's always part of something that i'm trying to get to is to like you know even though this is my specific time like come in here with me hang out like we can feel it together and that's you know that's, that's always really what I'm striving for. That's really interesting. That's, oh, really, that's really cool. And you have this new album out. And mm. it's, it's really cool. It's right and, there. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what's kind of, you know, the backstory of this album, how you got the songs together? Uh, what's kind of the story of the album? So the album was originally going to be called uh, The Right Kind of Trouble. And it was because um, it was before John Lewis had passed away and people were, you know, quoting his like make good trouble quote all the time. Um, but it was really just about like wanting to make an album that was about the way when people kind of get together and get rowdy with their friends. Like, you know, you, you have a great time together and you might be troublemakers, but you're not really doing anything like wrong. You're just having fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then after John Lewis passed away and people were using his good trouble quote all the time, I um, was like, well, I don't want to kind of appropriate that. That feels really not okay. But then it also inspired me to think about ways I could make the album more socially conscious or kind of get some of my own politics that are more about like bringing people together and changing the world to, you know, in a, in a good way to like yeah. give equality to lots of people. I was like, oh, maybe like, maybe I'm not gonna use that title, but this can inspire me to do a thing. And then I was like, well, then what am I gonna call it? Cause I've been thinking right kind of trouble for like five years with that album title. And then um, I decided because of the pandemic, um, my friend had a cabin up in gold country in California. And so while we were up there recording, I was, you know, tweeting out, things about recording like you do and then I was like gold country country gold hot and I thought it was hilarious Just thought it was funny the whole weekend long and by the time the weekend was over I was like wait a minute that's an album title that's not just like a dorky tweet that I'm sending after you know like too many hours of recording and feeling slap happy so that's where the the name of the album came from but the um 
all of the songs that I wrote on it were written during the pandemic and like during the shutdown. And a lot of them are about um, not not just the isolation that we have, but also like the surreal experiences of like the only way you could connect to people was over screens. Mm-hmm. But like how sometimes even though that seems really distancing or alienating, like humans are super adaptable, like that became the way that we could all like bond and like be connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, it actually made me a lot more connected to some of my friends who live in Canada, like way far away from me, because we were talking on Zoom twice a week, every week, yeah. like for hours to be connected. And when we are normally not in a shutdown, we're all out on tour, we're all out doing kinds of trade, you know, lots of things. And so yeah. like, oh, like a text once every two weeks. And now we're like spending four hours a week together. It was uh-huh. it was really different. So um a lot of the songs were inspired by things that happened during the pandemic or just leading up to it, like what were the last few experiences I got to have before everything shut down. And my last album came out in May of 2020. So we were like just starting to do tours and everything for that when everything you know got crazy um the other thing though that the out that happened with the record is that because i had time i was listening to all my friends' songs that like some of them were like waking up from like dreams with like songs fully formed and putting them on facebook and stuff like that and i got to hear all these great songs that hadn't been recorded anywhere yet except like kind of in the moment on social media Uh and um so there's there's a bunch of cover songs on this record that um were from friends who like have not published them anywhere else but i was like i'm in love with that song it like is totally speaking to my heart and soul can i please have permission to record it my record and people said yes which was really generous and nice so that's awesome yeah you're releasing this on your own label i guess it's a the label is out of uh san francisco it's called broken clover but they're they're pretty they're they're not huge but they've been like voted best label of the bay area a couple times oh that's cool how did you like get affiliated with them um so my drummer has been friends with the guy who owns the label for like 30 years and so she was listening to our last album while they were working together at a venue and he was like who's that what's that what are you listening to what is that what is that tell me what that is she's like oh that's that's my band i'm in that band i'm the drummer in the band that's what we're doing and he's like well what label are you guys on and she was like we're not we're not on a label it's we're just doing our thing like mm-hmm. cindy runs it like we put it out on our own and um so he started calling me and he was like, I think you want to be on my label. And I was like, I, this is a conversation. Let's have it. And so we talked about it for about four or five months. And then um, we kind of came to an understanding. And I was like, OK, I think philosophically we're coming from the same place. So let's see what happens. And so this is our first record together. And, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think that we're both pretty happy with how it turned out and everything. And, you know, we still like each other. <laughs> after the whole process so it's been pretty great yeah that's awesome are you gonna start touring have you started you know some shows here and there yeah we've done we've done a handful of shows in the bay area like we opened for sarah shook and we opened for the pine box boys and you know have definitely had a nice run of things 
in the bay and those are you know that's that's hometown so that's always fun and easy to get easy to, the, the tour budget for travel is small on those but um we've got a bigger we've got some bigger tours planned for um september and october uh, where we're going to go out to you know texas for a bunch of things do like a run from oakland to texas and back around and that's cool. um i usually play a music festival up in canada in, in early september for my birthday so we'll be going up for that and doing some of those shows and then i'm doing a bunch of like solo shows when i'm in new york in june so i got like five or six shows out in new york city in uh, upstate new york that's really cool yeah and, you know, but you've been you know touring for you know, a while, doing all sorts of stuff. And what are some of the coolest experiences that you've had with a really cool uh, you know show that you got to play, or a really cool artist that you got to meet? Really kind of mesmerizing experiences that. You've yeah, played. I think. You know, I think my favorite show I've ever played was um, there. There have actually been two, um, and one was. I got to play the opening night of the Accordion Noir Festival up in Vancouver, Canada. That's awesome. It was so cool. And um, we were, I, I was part of a bill with like Amy Denio and Jason Webley and Jeff Berner and Jack Garten. And um, Jack Garten and his Demon Squadron, if you have not heard them, oh my God, they're so much fun. The rowdiest, <laughs> rowdiest roots band in the world. They're so, they're great. But, um, we we played that show and it was it was like this packed house full of like two or three thousand people, and it was my my set was super stripped down. She's like it was me on the accordion and my friend Terry on upright bass, and like the audience just loved it. And it was like this just wonderfully transcendent moment where everybody was just there to fall in love with music and to really enjoy the whole night. And there was so everybody was dancing and just rowdy and having a great time. So that was definitely one of them. And then I'll say the other time is, um, I, I know the artist I perform with, but I've performed with her a whole bunch of times. So I'm trying to think of the best one. Um, I was up in, it was in Canada again, and I was up playing with um, my friend Carolyn Mark, who used to have a band with Nico Case. And she is um, a really wonderful country singer up there. And she had booked us a show on this island called Gabriola Island. And we we're playing a place called the Surf Lodge. And literally this old bar is like practically right on the edge of the ocean. And, you know, we played this amazing set and like these people just like loved, love, love the show. Mm -hmm. And so we were getting out of the, the bar at like 2 a.m. to go to the hotel, which is like located. It's like part of the same complex. And I just walked out of the pub and all and like all the lights for the, the lawns and stuff were totally off. And it was like it was like there were like 10 million stars. And you could hear the ocean crashing like five feet from your like leg. It was like the ocean was so wow. close. The stars were so huge. There were like all these beautiful, huge rocks everywhere. And it just felt like, wow, I um, just formed this. It was the first time I toured in Canada. I think it was one of the first shows we did on that tour. And I was like, I feel like I'm in the exact right place at the right moment. When one of my favorite places with some of my favorite people. And I just want to do that for the rest of my life. That's awesome. So now you've got this cool album out that you've been working on for, uh, you know, the last, you know, last couple of years. Do you have any future projects, you know, plans for one or, you know, maybe already in the works? 
Well, if you'd asked me like three weeks ago, I would have been like, I don't know when their next record's happening. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but last week I was uh, listening to some music and like taking a little walk around and I was like, oh, that's a good idea for a song. So I've, I've got like two songs already started now for the next record. That's awesome. I don't know what's going to happen. But yeah, just like I use the phone's voice memo and like I keep some paper in my pocket all the time. And I was just like, oh, hold on. That's a good line. I don't know how I thought of that. Oh, wait, that's a good one, too. And so we'll see what happens. I'm sure there's another record in me somewhere. So that'll just be a little bit a uh, little bit down the road, but it's definitely coming. That's awesome. Yeah. And now that your things are starting to open back up again and, you know, some some shows are starting to some festivals are starting to open back up, I think. Are there any, like, do you have any like, goals that you'd really like to achieve in uh, the near future? Oh, I was just saying, I think everyone wants to wants to open for Willie Nelson someday. So that's definitely, uh, that's one of the bucket list items. Um, other than that, I think that, um, you know, I definitely would love to play, like, the, you know, the Outlaw Cruise Festival that happens. You know, there's... Um, a fresh grass festival that's part of what the magazine no depression puts together yeah. uh hardly strictly bluegrass is like this wonderful country adjacent you know festival that happens out here in the bay area that i would just be super honored to be a part of because it's such a great organization yeah. i just really am excited about getting out and playing with people and like making those connections and like getting like inspiring each other like that's uh, that's the part I just can't wait for you just seem really like so enthusiastic about music it just seems like something that <laughs> you just love so much and not everyone has that you talk to some people and they, they get kind of bitter you know but I always love when people are just so happy to to do it and has it has it always been that way like ever since you were a kid yeah it has I um I think that there is nothing more beautiful in the world than the art that people make to uh, translate their experience back to other people. So whether it's, you know, film or literature or um, sound like music of any kind, I just, or, you know, painting, sculpture, like, I just find that humans are so fascinating and unique and how, and how much we want to share things we love with each other. And, my whole goal as a person in the world for so far, and I'm assuming for the rest of my life, I don't think anything crazy is going to change, okay. is that I want to help connect people with beautiful things, whether I wrote them, whether my friends created them, whether I just managed to find them randomly out in the world. Like, I think that the world can only be a better place if we all know about more things that are beautiful. and. Okay. Um, I find that music especially is a way that people who disagree in other ways in the world can still find ways to come together and to care about each other and have empathy for one another. And I, I make music that for me is for all people. Like it's not unique to any one set of people. Like I intend that it's for any audience, whether like we agree with each other or not, because I just want to share moments of beauty with people and that's that's and you know when i'm having you know bad days or hard times or wonderful times like music has always been like 
you know, the friend in the back of my pocket that I'm spending that time with. Like, it's always been what helps make every moment of my life better. And so I don't foresee ever not wanting to be this enthusiastic about it because it's given me so much joy over time. Like, everyone should love music. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's our job to enjoy things that are wonderful. That's amazing. Thank you so much for for coming on here and, and talking with me. I had a great time uh, getting to learn more Thank about you. Everyone, go listen to Gold Country, Country Gold by the Secret oh. MC Society. It's a really cool album. I really do hope you enjoy it. I'm sure Thank you will. Thank you yeah. so much for having me on. It's been a really, really wonderful experience to chat with you for the last 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, this has been a, a really cool time. Once again, Cindy Imch from the <laughs> Secret Imch Society. Yeah, this has been really fun. I hope to see you next time.